0: Warning, in the middle of this podcast, I accidentally mispronounced the name of actor-writer-comedian Robert Smigel as Robert Smiegel. He is not a character in The Lord of the Rings. I'm very sorry, Rob. Hi-ho, this is Jordan, and in a few moments, you'll hear my talk with Dylan. We're going to go over Pets.com, the short-lived e-commerce site that collapsed in the dot-com bubble of the early 2000s. The dot-com bubble was always explained to me as a time when investors were going crazy over anything with dot-com in its name even if the company had no long-term value. Pets.com is the epitome of this craze. The company sold its pet food and pet supplies below their actual cost, they made no profit, and clearly spent too much money on advertising. It's the ads, or specifically Pets.com's mascot, that influenced me to do an episode on this topic. Pets.com had this sock puppet mascot that for a brief time was everywhere you looked. My whole growing up, I saw pictures and vintage ads featuring this sock puppet dog who had a googly eye on the left and a button one on the right and used his tiny microphone to talk to pets and unsuspecting people. His catchphrase was, pets.com, because pets can't drive. I'm a professional happy puppet thing, and it's my job to make animals happy. Pets.com, because pets can't drive. It wasn't until I did some research that I learned what this sock puppet was actually advertising and why its company would fold. I hope you're hungry for some 21st century-era nostalgia, because I'm about to deliver your Year 2006 Fix. This is Year 2006 Fix. I'm Jordan, and I'm joined by my brother Dylan. How's it going? And we're going to talk about the internet, the dot-com bubble, pets.com. Kind of making a mix of things here.
1: So let's talk about pets.com, mother So some of you stupid, old-ass f- might be listening to this going pets.com oh yeah that was like the other day the year 2000 Eh." it's like okay guess what oldie uh take out your soup coupons and the tissues you have bundled up in your pockets all right and get ready to learn about history yeah because guess what it wasn't yesterday pets.com was 20 years ago that's a reality get used to it jordan take it away
0: Pets.com, it was this company that sold pet supplies, pet food, everything you would really need for your pet. And it was like such a big deal because it was an e-commerce site and it was coming at a time when a lot of e-commerce startups were flooding the market. And even where there wasn't so much of promise of a long-term success or profit, these venture capitalists, what kind of enticed them was just, you're selling the future. The internet, it's brand new. You're proving that there can be a business off that. And it's sort of off that high that people are throwing money and trying to make these companies a reality.
1: Yeah. And what I was reading about was companies were really operating under a get big fast and get large or get lost mindset. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they, they were not wrong. They they had the foresight to realize, okay, dot com, the internet, this is just going to be huge. This will be the future. I imagine it's similar to now when streaming starts taking off and then NBC and all of these other networks, Comcast go, okay, we need to jump on board here. Kind of a similar situation 20 years ago where they go, all right, everything is going to be shifting in this direction, but I think they maybe overshot it as we see with pets.com.
0: And you have a guy who's trying to really capitalize on it. And that's Greg McLemore, who's just buying up all these generic domain names realizing that hey if people are going crazy for company with a dot com I want to own generic words the domain rights to them so that then people will pay me to use them as a business and that worked with pets.com because that was just a url that he had and this harvard business student carolyn everson she really wants to make a website for people and their animals and she goes to him to try to get the pets.com domain and mclemore won't sell it out Right. So they initially planned to partner together and to go to different venture capitalists to get money. But I was doing research on that and it seems a clash of personalities led to Greg McLemore kicking out Everson.
1: Right. Well, I mean, this guy clearly was an eccentric person. And I think as well bit off more than he could chew. I'm on his website right now, where he still has all of the domain names available, and you can tell he I, he must have just taken an Adderall or snorted some coke and was like, "All right, I am just going to every noun or verb or concept that I can think of, I'm going to get it as a website." So these are some of the real ones. It goes from everything between Kisses.com to LoveSlave.com, which I'm shocked nobody has wanted to get on Love slave i mean
0: actually i'm genuinely shocked that there could be some interest these days well
1: it was interesting before i made my personal website as just sort of a resume portfolio i was really torn between my full name.com or loveslave.com so i almost ran into a situation there
0: didn't you tell me mclemore had teenager.com that's one of his vacant domains
1: Yes, it was teenager and not to be confused with teenagers.com.
0: The guy's a genius, both of them.
1: Yeah. No, in all seriousness, it's everything between artworks.com, backpacking.com. And I imagine pets.com must have just been one of the most notable. The concept of pets.com, it's like, okay, there are brick and mortar stores that are specifically for this. So therefore, yeah, that makes sense. If you're not going to think too deep into it, you're going to go, okay, zappos.com, that's shoes, that works, pets.com. That is a market. Let's take it to the internet and let's capitalize on it from there.
0: Right, so Carolyn Everson, she went out of the picture and nowadays she's VP of Global Marketing Solutions at Facebook, but what ended up happening is they found one venture capitalist firm to invest in pets.com and that's called Hummer Winblad. This is in 1999 and they decide to get this woman, Julie Wainwright, who had previously had experience with Clorox with another few tech companies in the bay area and real.com to be pets.com ceo for their new san francisco headquarters and what comes following this is a company for about 27 months goes from a launch to liquidation and that's basically shorthand for they start and then collapse miserably
1: yeah and as we're going to explore what's so interesting is of course there's a lot of companies that fail in such an epic fashion it's a disaster but what happens when you make a truly successful is is a subjective term but at least with garnering attention and making a household name for a service the ad campaign made it incredibly notable which just made it even more significant when everything does fall so it made a, a really public 27 months
0: And that is very much why it's something we're still talking about today. So with Julie Wainwright as the CEO, they're able to launch the company in February of 1999. They get $110 million from private investors. And their goal is to get America's pet owners who are about 60% of households who are known to spend about $20 billion a year raising their pets to buy the things they need for their pets on an online retail system. And the initial website had 12,000 different pet products. And even better, because of Julie Wainwright's own connection, she was able to get Amazon to get a 30% stake in it. And that's because she knew Jeff Bezos. And another report I read said he had like as much of a 50% stake in the company and with that backing they were even able to buy out a competitor
1: right so wainwright said at the time that the amazon funding of pets.com was a marriage made in heaven
0: very much so and that's what allowed them to go public in february of 2000 and they're gonna get an additional 82.5 million dollars from stock But of course, it's worth noting that they go public February of 2000. They have stock that's about like $14 a share. And then less than a year later, that stock's going to drop down to 22 cents. And it's because just using hindsight, but also looking at a few red flags, you you can see why the e-commerce model for Pets.com just meant that the company was going to fail.
1: Right. And, you know, I, I think it's probably also important to contextualize, Jordan, backtracking a little bit what was happening economically at the time that was allowing for this kind of robust dot-com try it stick everything to the wall and see what sticks sort of marketplace
0: yeah that was made possible by low capital gains taxes and basically encouragement from the fed's own chairman alan greenspan telling people like you very much want to put your money in these supposedly risky dot-com stocks because that just kind of shows like everyone was sold on this is the future it can only go up from here
1: yeah so going into this it was between 1995 and 2000 the nasdaq composite stock market index rose 400 percent. and that is directly attributed just to the amount of momentum that was existing of okay dot coms this is going to be the future of selling things and you know this is the next huge marketplace But
0: here's why they were wrong. From a customer point of view, you get Pets.com, and it sounds great because all the pet food, pet toys, pet treatments, you get it shipped to your home. You don't have to leave the house, and even better, shipping is free. They're selling these products below cost. It seems like this really is the future, but the company is going to lose money on every single sale because all these products are very expensive to ship, and they don't have a long-term strategy for efficient shipping or for convincing their customers to pay more money in the future.
1: Yeah. So just imagine the shipping costs on a 50 pound bag of dog food when they've said, okay, we're going to cover that. Don't worry, which they really had to, you know, it's, they didn't have an option. They were already too deep in. They're going to make people pay for the shipping. Then just no one was going to do it. But at the same time, that means that they're going to take an incredibly low margin, if any margin at all.
0: Worse, you have to actually wait for the products to arrive. If it's something that you really need, like pet food, you have to wait several days for it to actually arrive. And by that point, you might as well just go to a brick and mortar store.
1: And also reading into it. So they didn't expect to offer deep discounts and free shipping. Forever. And they had a a pretty horrific, abysmal plan, which was that they wanted to move their existing customers to higher profit margin purchases. It's kind of contingent on them growing a really loyal following of people who are going, All right, pets.com, I won't even look at a brick and mortar pet store anymore because I am so devout to pets.com and the convenience that they provide me.
0: The profits are really a a thing of fiction when you're shipping about 20 to 50 pounds of pet food and pet crates. You have the discounts, the free shipping, and that explains why their Q3 sales they're about $9.4 million, but their cost of goods are $9.6 million, and that's before marketing and administration costs. And that's why they're going to lose $21.7 million in one quarter. And the reason that Pets.com wasn't really concerned about it until it was too late was because they thought their public image is going to save them.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things we're going to explore next is just the really significant disparity between the amount of revenue they had coming in and the amount that they were spending on advertising and just as time went on for the companies what what is it and it's 27 months jordan
0: yeah it's a 27 month period
1: during those 27 months it was really just a widening disparity between okay this is the amount of revenue we're bringing in to this is the amount we're spending on advertising and clearly as we'll see it was not roi positive
0: the biggest red flag, in my opinion, was that they have about close to $300 million that their investors, capital owners, their own money they're putting into this. And they're not really thinking about the fact that the pet supply industry, the people who are buying so much on pet-related items, it's a 2 to 4% profit margin. It's hard to explain why there would be such a good long-term strategy with such a small profit margin and everything else we just said
1: but what i was kind of talking about earlier that i think is really just important to note the business model because exactly what you're saying they were selling things at one third of the market price it paid to obtain the inventory and they did this all willfully because they were saying all right we are going to gain such a loyal customer base and as i talked about earlier when we move those existing customers to higher profit margin purchases it is in the long term going to be successful for us But obviously that was not the case.
0: And what's very much apparent is that they're using about over $100 million on advertising. They're dumping it all on ads because, again, public image is everything that they think is going to save them. And that's how we get their mascot. Now that you can get whatever you want at Pets.com, it's like Mardi Gras! So the mascot is this dog who has, like... A button eye, a googly eye. He uses a tiny little microphone. He goes up and interviews pets and other people to explain how great Pets.com is and how they can really benefit pet owners and get the pets what they want. And the catchphrase was Pets.com because pets can't drive. Pets.com because pets can't drive. Oh yeah,
1: this is my kind of party.
0: Who's an ad mascot you really see as much as people-saw-the-pets.com dog? Maybe Geico, but not really.
1: Yeah, I, I feel that was a fixture of the early 2000 advertising as well, as, all right, we want to make a really notable personality that represents this company. But it's funny, I don't see that now. Like, I wonder if Netflix existed in the year 2000, would there be like a, I'm the Netflix uh, movie watching monster or something? And it's like, oh, an adorable character.
0: Yeah, yeah, the happy CD disc.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think the last one I can think of is, is the Mucinex, mucus monster. Oh. But- <laughs> Um, No, in all seriousness, it is interesting. And I I don't know why that is. It's funny because we can look back to the Taco Bell, Chihuahua, or Geico, whether it was with the Gecko or the Cavemen. I'm sure there's a million others that we're thinking of. But yeah, it doesn't really exist now where, all right, we need to make an adorable personality to be the face of this brand.
0: Had spent $100 million on advertising. That sock puppet dog was just inescapable. He's the invention of the famous ad agency, which please,
1: because I'm going to mispronounce it, tbwa shia today and they made the apple 1984 ad very notable ad agency even today i think they're still one of the most notable ad agencies i think it really sticks out with the taco bell chihuahua dog because they're like all right well i guess this is our forte if we make like a cute lovable character that can be merchandised and people really kind of grow some affection for that's what works And you can tell it was probably the same exact creatives who did that that then were like, all right, well, pets.com. Of course, it has to be an adorable animal. And it worked, you know, and I think that's one thing you're going to talk about is as well as they could have done, they clearly succeeded. Right. in this company, they proved they have
0: a thing for spunky dogs that tell it like it is and give you the company's vision and like a short digestible TV spot. And they really sold the world on pets.com and its model of online supplies for your pets with their February 2000 Super Bowl ad which is called Please Don't Go.
1: Yeah. So on January 30th, 2000, almost 20%. So that's 12 ads of the 61 ads for that year's Super Bowl were purchased by dot coms. So that was the stage that most of these were going into. I don't know how many of those are still around, but I, one of the big things we end up learning is how a lot of these did not fall. Some, you know, really emerged from the ashes and are still successful today. They really were not accounting for, there's a thing in advertising called the ADA model, which is awareness, interest, desire, action. And so the massive marketing campaign Pets.com went under, it generated a lot of awareness and definitely some interest. So the advertisers absolutely succeeded TBWA Shite Day, but it obviously was not translating into any sort of sufficient desire and, of course, really no action. And that really goes to, it's, it's one of the fundamental theses behind advertising is, you know, you can get the awareness out there and you can get the interest to really start to build, which is what TBWA Shite Day did for Pets.com. But if it is just not going to be a fit, people are still going to look at their wallet and go like, all right, I don't really need this. Like, I am very intrigued by the concept. I'm very intrigued by the mascot. But at the end of the day, this is not something that I'm going to need to be spending my money on.
0: That's a really excellent point because a CEO of a public relations company, his exact quote is, I really hated that little puppet. It really annoyed me. And he ended up elaborating that he thought the puppet's cuteness distracted people from what the company actually did. So for all the fans who were writing letters who, like, they wanted to talk to the actual sock puppet, for all the licensed retail merchandise that Pets.com was hoping to profit off of, like Toys of the Stock Puppet, for even the self-help book, or I guess it's more like an autobiography called Me By Me, like that doesn't really do anything. If they don't understand that your company is trying to be your pet food supplier, but also if they just feel like they never really had much interest or connection, especially if they're just being distracted by like flashy ads.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, To me, how how I envision it in my brain is like when you're testing Wi-Fi for a new device and it's going through, okay, connected here, it connected here, but then there's an X somewhere. So it's not going to be pushed all the way through. And really with this, like, say, for example, if this was the ad campaign for something that made sense that people wanted in the year 2000, say it was the ad campaign, I, I guess it wouldn't fully make sense given the please don't go, but the cute sock puppet and it's like brick and mortar pet stores. I'm sure it really would have been wildly successful because it garnered interest. They found a mascot that people are going to absolutely adore. But you can follow the logic of what happens in a consumer's brain when they're going, okay, this is great. I love the ads. And okay, it's an interesting concept. But love of the ads and love of the mascot is never going to outweigh just what is most convenient and sensible for them and they're going to go all right i don't need to go through the internet which is something we'll obviously talk about soon about why that is just not really a a smart idea in the year 2000 that people are like all right god i guess i'll go and change my entire way of purchasing things so i don't know it's it's interesting but at the end of the day tbwa shy day succeeded in their goal that the most that they could
0: Absolutely. And before we move on, just about the aftermath and the downfall of the company, I just thought a funny fact about this sock puppet dog was that the company sued Conan O'Brien's people, specifically the head writer, Robert Smeagol, because he insulted the dog for being too similar to his own creation, which I'm sure many people listening are familiar with. Triumph, the insult comic dog. The dog, admittedly, it's a similar model. It's a puppet dog who goes up to unsuspecting people and uses a microphone to say things to them and i think people who are familiar with triumph they would say obviously there's a difference between what triumph says to people and other animals versus the sock puppet trying to get people's interest in pets.com but the result was a lawsuit of 20 million dollars for libel it got this really funny reaction from conan o'brien Triumph is being sued by Pets.com and their corporate symbol, the Pets.com sock puppet. A while ago, Triumph accused the Pets.com puppet of ripping him off. And this made the Pets.com puppet angry, apparently, and he sued Triumph. I'm not kidding. This really happened. And ultimately, it leads to the lawsuit just being dismissed February of 2001, but that's like three months after the company is officially over.
1: Yeah, which, again, it's one of those things I think is just so funny that I don't know if this was the ad agency, TBWA Shia Day, where they're like, all right, how do we acknowledge? I think they saw, you know, obviously that was a day and age, unlike now, where everyone is watching television. They're not consuming media through, you know, a Netflix or a YouTube. So something like Triumph the Insult comic dog, I imagine, was just huge in a household name and water cooler talk. And it's like, OK, how do you acknowledge the parallels between this fictional character and the fictional character that's advertising Pets.com? I think there could have been many funny approaches like, oh, let's go on the show and let's pretend, oh, he's the sibling or eh, something silly like that. But no, I think instead their approach was like, all right, he's going to sue for libel in his name, like kind of create an arc for this adored mascot
0: it's especially so because he wouldn't be around for much longer
1: yeah it's like okay now we need to make him give him like a charlie sheen style everything starts turning bad, or like elon musk where it's like oh wow all these weird things he's doing is starting to become unearthed like suing somebody else in a really dubious lawsuit like that's interesting which i i don't know what their goal was there and again i I, part of me wonders if this was crafted by the ad agency but just talk about a really stupid response to acknowledging the parallels between the two characters
0: i wonder if it was kind of like an unconscious bias because like late night shows they were Obviously, on like at nearly midnight, and you didn't have like YouTube or an easy way to rewatch them. I guess you'd have like a VCR VHS tape recording, possibly. And so, the result is it's like, I wonder if like someone at that ad agency, like they had seen Triumph and then like kind of didn't really remember that. And then they're like thinking of like a dog with the same sock puppet like puppet model and by the way the actor who played the pets.com mascot michael ian black he said it was really painful for him to use his hand as the sock puppet and i mean i think if you like just rewatch any of those commercials it's pretty easy to see why
1: yeah and you know looking through it seems like he kind of wants to start distancing himself from this He doesn't want to be known as the pets.com guy where looking through trying to find interviews of him talking about his experience doing that. I think the last one I found was like a local newspaper in like Oklahoma where he was touring there. And so they were asking him a few questions and they bring up pets.com and it should say something that I think his answer was just so insignificant that it wasn't even worth putting down in my notes page because he's probably just memorized a line of like, all right, this is how I just dance around pets.com and I don't have to talk about it anymore. Cause it was this weird thing that probably at the time, I'd imagine it was his healthiest paycheck. I mean, you're a comedian when everything is around commercials, probably made good money.
0: Yeah, he's like, come on, I just needed to pay the bills. I'm not responsible for the financial news.
1: Yeah, exactly. But then he's just going to be labeled that. So it's it's interesting.
0: And he said he did meet Robert Smeagle, the triumph, the insult comic dog guy. They met once, they were cordial, and it was like when listening to him being interviewed on another podcast, he didn't even realize that they both had, like, bit parts in the movie This Is 40. Like, there's no bad blood, but did say that,
1: like, I've never been asked to be on Conan. Which is so crazy. Like, do they think that he slept in with the sock puppet and, like, no, this is me. I'm going to be doing the lawsuit. I'm gonna orchestrate all this ridiculous drama. He would be stopped
0: soon because in November of 2000, that's when the CEO, Julie Wainwright, had to shut down the company. An interesting fact, interesting, morbid, however you would have put it, is the same week she has to shut down the company she announces that she well she doesn't announce she learned she has to get a divorce
1: no she announced she said hello everyone I would like to let you know it's it's a press conference I I guess it would be more like her husband tells her I want a divorce yeah but it was part of the press conference it was a brilliant strategy instead of focusing on pets.com guys everyone should know I'm getting a divorce and this is the interesting news
0: and hopefully that distracts from the fact that like she's getting a hundred and sixty five thousand dollar bonus as she lays off hundreds of her staff and tries moving them and then shuts down all their retail operations and then has a deal with amazon like accounting for the loss was like the phrase i saw when researching this and uh, eventually they had to like sell their url to Petsmart.
1: yeah and so 300 people lost their jobs but also i mean they probably saw the writing on the wall going like all right wow this was a stupid business model shipping $50 bags of dog food and saying, we're going to cover the shipping. That's number one. And, you know, I guess that's one thing we can now dive into a little bit more of just why this failed as miserably as it did. And and one of the things I was mentioning to Jordan earlier, only a couple hundred million people were online. And by 2000, around 1% of all retail was e-commerce compared to 10% today, which is crazy. I mean, 10% even is a pretty small number, but you know, I, I can't imagine people having the faith to go on the internet to some website and put in their information. There's no PayPal, there's no VPN. There's, you know, the, the things that we now look for, or even like, Hey, I'm going to Google this website and find a bunch of people talking about it somewhere. There's probably websites devoted to okay what is trustworthy what is not but no none of these things were accounted for and if in buying this podcast microphone that i'm talking on right now it was on a website that was not amazon which made me go oh shit, i need to do thorough research to see if i'm gonna get ripped off any of these other things if i have that skepticism now in 2020 then I cannot imagine in the year 2000, how quick were people to put in their credit card and buy things online when there are brick and mortar stores right down the street.
0: I'm surprised none of that really came up in the market research. And market research is an area that in hindsight, it's easy to say that the company really didn't do a good job of conducting. But you'd think with like the internet and them getting all this investment on, we are the future, we are the internet, we have .com in our name, that they'd be able to prove that nobody would be scared to go online and make orders from a company they haven't heard of and give their personal information, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Right. And so my research was saying no independent market research preceded the launch of pets.com to test its basic viability and sustainability in the marketplace. I don't know if that's totally true, but again, I mean, it, you kind of feel like it has to where say, for example, if somebody is just shooting you out, like this is, this is a year 2000 boardroom meeting. There's Coke everywhere everyone has bulky cell phones and they're going all right we're just And gonna- everyone's being in- interrupted by their AOL
0: AM messenger.
1: Yeah, I just imagine the dial up sound in the background all the time. But they're just going off like okay I'm going to name this noun and you're going to tell me if it's going to work shoes.com. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh I don't know. piano.com. Yeah, of course you can do piano stuff.com, everyone's doing.com, pets.com. Yeah, absolutely. It it sounds like it would be something that would work, but of course when you dive into it just it just didn't make sense. Pet stores were very much a thing. And I think now, you know, I saw many articles saying, oh God, they were just too soon. Again, I I don't know if that's the case. I think it probably would have done better, but at the same time, it's like, it's pet food. It's like, For one thing, who is buying a pet toy that often, which is one of the things they were doing. It's like definitely not enough to warrant any sort of service or I guess I can order something on Amazon really easily. Sure. But like pet food, it's like why? Who wants something huge like that shipped to your front door when it is easy to get it in the same trip while you're getting your groceries? And you only need one fish tank or one iguana habitat. But the funny
0: thing is all those things you're pointing out, Julie Wainwright, a few years after the fact, had basically said as much, which is our timing was a little off. The biggest problem was there weren't enough people actually using the Internet because and this is a concept I actually have to remember. Oh, yeah, this was totally how things were. We didn't have Internet everywhere we walked. It was in one place. You had to have a computer and That computer better have internet. And she said there was no cloud computing, so they were relying solely on their IT staff. So that was a problem in addition to all the other factors that led to their demise, such as not selling their products for the right price or offering too many discounts or just having like a flimsy e-commerce shipping model and that's something that sites like chewy and even physical brick and mortar stores like petco like they managed to find a way to make it work so it's not that their idea of a online store for a specific type of products were the reason for failure but just kind of like the specific day and time that they came up with the ideas
1: yeah i mean i imagine in that age it was it was like when I, I think about it, maybe the first people who I saw with Apple watches, or an even better example, if people remember this, was like the Google Glasses, where they were just like really techy looking. And those just bombed horribly, because it's like, who the fuck wants this? But, you know, how I think about it is probably the only people buying that were those douches where it's like, oh, because they can, and because this seems very techy in new age. It's like, oh, you're getting your pet food from a brick-and-mortar store? Hmm, that's funny. I, I get mine through the internet. Yeah. Ever heard of it, which that's how I regard people at first when they had like Apple watches. I'd be like, okay, you are only wearing this so people will see that you are techie. Like, you are not actually thinking that this is convenient, but that ended up being convenient. So, those things do happen. But yeah, I'd love to know the kind of person who actually saw this as like, yes, this is the solution to all of my problems, is just getting this all shipped to me online instead of going to a brick and mortar store.
0: I kind of feel sorry for whoever that guy's pet was. Like, (laughs) he
1: can't be bothered to go out. Just a starving, frail, golden retriever. It's like, no, don't worry. It's going to come to your doorstep and the convenience will make it all worth it. You know, I don't think anybody, especially the CEO, is like, all right, if this is going to flop, this is going to bomb... Like, oh God, I just don't want, I, I hope it has a quick little news cycle and then it's done. New York Times article, Washington Post, of course these things are going to happen, but God, like, I don't want this to really stick. But what's going to happen when you have made your mascot an absolute celebrity and everyone knows your mascot? When the company that that mascot represents fails, suddenly it's it has to be the talk of the town because it's like, hey, remember those ads? You can know nothing about business and go, wow, they must be spending inordinate sums of money. if. I am seeing this left and right. So, I mean, really, that's the only thing their advertising really accomplished was, in the end, just making it so much more public when everything fell. And it's kind of amazing to think that in 2000,
0: there was an estimated 250 million internet users versus obviously, like,
1: 5 billion coming like 10 years later. Yeah, absolutely. It just speaks to the amount of money that was funneling into these things. So, in February to September 1999 alone, they spent 12 million dollars on advertising, but revenue was only 600,000. So, that clearly just speaks to the mentality of not only the people in charge, but also, you know, the shareholders, everyone who's investing is, well, it's dot com, so it's going to be huge. So let's just funnel as much money into it as possible. Not what most people would consider the sensible business approach of, okay, start small and really proportionally scale things up and continue to test, you know, market research. I mean, it it was just classic, like, okay, let's go, let's just start driving. You're 14 years old, just push your foot on the gas as hard as you can and, you know, don't worry about it. And the kid doesn't know how to drive. That's pretty much what it was. It wasn't a slow, incremental process. It was, let's just go at a thousand. And of course, things are going to work out. We would just be missing out on such an opportunity if we didn't. It's sort of like if these dot com
0: companies like Pets were the 14 year old who didn't know how to drive and like were making all these really obvious mistakes. The Silicon Valley tech companies, everything that basically rules our lives right now, who probably got most of the same investors to go put their money in them, they're like that driver's younger sibling who was thinking, okay, see what they did? I'm not going to do that. And I'm actually going to take a breath and learn this. And I'm going to have that same vision of the future promise. But I'm actually going to do some business research and take advantage of the fact that now everyone's ready to use the internet and move forward. Hmm, I really don't think I'd be that interested in doing a dot-com bubble or picking like any one of these dot-com companies if it were not for the fact that, wait, what is this dog and why is he associated with Doom? And like, why is it if you open a textbook, a business textbook that explains like what a failure is, you'll see a picture. And I mean, that sounds like a cheesy joke, but it's pretty spot on, I think, based off some of the research I was doing.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'd be really curious to know if we knew anybody who is in Silicon Valley, but we don't interact with people who are that intelligent or successful. Just knowing like when their conversations with investors are people going like, okay, hey, this could be a huge success. We could be really early to something, or maybe this is a pets.com. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that's a phrase that is thrown out in these meetings and discussions quite frequently.
0: And on an ending note, I'd like to just point out the where were they now of the sock puppet. When the company folded, they were really thinking about how are we going to sell off our assets? Like, we want to respect the value. We're figuring out what to do with it. They sold it to Bar None Incorporated. So there were a few ads with the same Pets.com sock puppet that now advertise subprime auto loads.
1: Who says pets can't drive? Everyone deserves a second chance. Bar None. Call now.
0: So really he was just jumping from one disaster to the next.
1: Yeah, I the the sock puppet really was foreshadowing what the next disaster was going to be, but we were just too blind to see it. Indeed. Pets.com delivers food, treats, and toys. <laughs>